Twin Lights Brewing was founded as a community-centric, environmentally-minded family operation which seeks to source and honor local ingredients, push the boundaries of the science of brewing, and spread the kind of joy that only comes from drinking beer crafted from the heart. With an ever-rotating selection of beers on tap, a family-friendly tap room that welcomes children of all ages, as well as dogs, and a large comfortable space built to host most kinds of events, Twin Lights is designed to bring the community together in new and exciting ways. Visit Twin Lights Brewing at 4057 Asbury Avenue in Tinton Falls, New Jersey, and follow them on Facebook and Instagram to stay up to date with their newest releases, merchandise, and special events. Twin Lights Brewing, the official beer sponsor of the Review Podcast Network. I want you to tell all your friends about me. What are you? I'm Batman. Welcome back to Cannon Fodder. My name is Ed. I'm Matt. And I'm Pat. That's right. We have a special guest with us today as we start our journey through Tim Burton's Batman. So inspired by the recent release of The Flash, starring Michael Keaton as Batman, this week's episode will explore the maze of interconnected strands of canon that grew from Michael Keaton's groundbreaking cinematic reimagining of Batman in 1989. I love when you read from cue cards. There we go. Well, we, we, have, a, we, we have a full studio audience here. The episode will basically be a, a super... Um, upped version of that scene from Back to the Future 2 where Doc Brown is like drawing on the board about all the different strands of timelines. That's because we're not just going to talk about Batman, Batman Returns. We'll talk about Batman Forever, Batman and Robin. We're going to talk about Earth 89 from uh, the Arrowverse. We'll talk about the canceled Batgirl movie that was made. We're going to talk about Batman 89, the comic book, the Birds of Prey TV show, and of course, the OnStar Batman commercials. Oh, fuck balls. We've got to be an hour. So we're going to talk about all the things you that You sure don't make two episodes? <laughs> well, we'll see, we'll see how we go. But let's first start off with what is still the definitive live-action version of Batman, in my opinion. Batman 89, directed by Tim Burton. Yeah, there's no... Listen, this movie is um, almost as old as all of us here. Um, how old are you? 33. Yeah, okay. Almost as old as all of us here. Mm -hmm. uh, this movie still holds up. It's still in my all-time top 10. Um, I've watched this movie, I don't even know how many times, and I never get tired of it. It's still good. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> it's, it's I'll still, drink to that. You, you just uh, beer jizzed all over yourself there a little bit. I was so excited. <laughs> I'm sorry. Shout out to Twin Lights it. Brewing. Um, but yeah, that's because uh, that's we're drinking... Liquid Dream, a session India parallel, one of the latest releases from one of the sponsors of the Review Podcast Network and the Cannon Fodder Podcast, Twin Lights Brewing. So Twin Lights Brewing, uh, just one of the best breweries in New Jersey. Uh, visit a tap room. Also, they're, uh, they have a wide distribution. So anywhere in New yeah. Jersey, you can get their beer. But they are the drink of the podcast. But yeah, let, let, let's get right into it. I love this movie. I love, I love the Joker. I love the stylized Gotham. Like that's what makes this version of Batman um, 
kind of have this resonance into all these properties we're going to talk about. It's the suit. It's the design. Nothing has really captured Gotham in the way these movies have. Yeah, and no, I think what, what makes this movie stand out, and, and, and returns, honestly, too, that I think that it's one of the things that, that Nolan got wrong, as good as those movies were, and it's certainly one of the things that Snyder got wrong, is that Gotham is a character. Yes. The city of Gotham is a character in and of itself, and Burton nails that in his two movies, and it's one of the things I always hated about both the Nolan movies and especially the Zack Snyder movies. Gotham City couldn't be so more soulless in uh, the Nolan uh, yeah. movies. Um, and you're right. Uh, I agree with you, Ed, and I'm sure you do, Matt, that there is the word that defines the 89 Batman and Returns is definitive. It is it, encapsul- it encapsulates everything that you want in a Batman or a superhero movie, you know, between the characters, the gadgets, the pacing, the Art Deco style. Oh, and yeah. even like the, I was watching, rewatching it. And, they nabbed two of the hottest girls, and they're the two <laughs> hottest Batgirls or Batman like love interests. Yeah, throughout all of the canon. Yeah, and it's Kim Basinger, and you get Michelle Pfeiffer like two and, for two. And yeah, on Batman like a weird forever. risk. Nicole right. Kidman's not too shabby. Oh no, not yeah. at all. Uh, Uma Thurman looks great. And responsible Batman and Robin. for some of my first boners. <laughs> Uma Thurman. No, yeah, no, seriously, yeah. Like, and it was one of those things too. It's like I remember watching Batman '89, and I'm like, oh, Kim Basinger. Oh yeah. And then like I didn't, th- I didn't think it could get any better. Yeah. And then Michelle Pfeiffer got vacuum sealed into her freaking leather Catwoman suit, yeah. and you're like, oh nope, it can. Thank God Sean <laughs> Young wasn't. Batman. <laughs> Was in Catwoman. <laughs> but apart from how, like, yeah, th- you have some gorgeous women in this. It's also just from top to bottom, the casting is incredible. You have, you know, obviously Jack Nicholson as the Joker. You have um, Jack Palance as Carl Grissom. Billy D. Williams so as Harvey good. Dent. Oh, God. It's a all these smaller roles are just filled with some great. And that's, an, of course, when we get into the later movies, a great what if. You know, Billy D. Williams would have continued. Because Jack, you are my number one. Yeah. So good. Don't forget yeah. your lucky deck. Your lucky deck. Oh, God. Jack Palance, his his diction's so good. I could have so watched. The, I could have watched the whole like prequel movie of yeah. just. Jack I wanted Palance more of him. Nicholson. Yeah, like I, it was a shame that he got off so early in the movie. But I mean, like, but yeah, I could have watched the whole movie of just two of them. And you gotta, when you're talking about this movie, you gotta realize that like the last comic book movie before this was made was Superman for the Quest for Peace in 1987. <laughs> so like less than two years earlier. You had like the campiest, you know, one of the worst superhero movies of all time. You know, low yeah. budget, you know, basically the equivalent of a straight to DVD movie of its time. Like it was made for a shoestring budget um, by the Salkinds. Like, like Warner Brothers was barely involved. And like then two years later to bring Batman, especially since the last live action version of Batman we had seen was Adam West. Right. So this was kind of taking a cue from the 80s Batman comics that had like changed the character and they made a real believable Batman while still having the camp like the architecture is just over the top the Joker is incredibly campy but like they make it all work and it's all because of Tim Burton and what I find funny too is that they're you know this is obviously before social media and before you know the term like neckbeard fans really was a thing but even in 88 and 89 right comic book fans were still a very unruly bunch of people. Yeah, and they were punks. Was, they were punks. Right. And there was legitimate outrage when word got out that Michael Keaton was cast as Batman because yeah, the, at Mr. the time... Mom? Is Mr. Mom? <laughs> right, exactly. It was Mr. Mom. He was more known for his comedic roles. And people were like fucking losing their minds. 
And it's very much like, you know, it, it, look, when, when Ben Affleck was cast, the same thing yeah. happened. Robert Pattinson was cast. The same thing happened. People were losing their fucking minds. And it all worked out just well. And it just worked just fine. No, <laughs> he, he's great. And he also has the best Bruce Wayne and Batman combo. Yeah. You, you know, yeah. I mean, the Batman is still a work in progress. So I can see eventually Robert Pattinson... You know, he needs to create an outer persona right, for Bruce young. Wayne yeah, in the next, in the next yeah. movie. But so far, like, there is such a dichotomy between the two. And he almost does a little bit of a Clark Kent, though. Like, his Bruce Wayne is a little bit nerdy. Yeah, a little quirky. Which is interesting because it's less of the playboy. Yes, he picks up Vicky Vale, but it's more of like a normal relationship. It's not like he's a playboy with a bunch of models and all that stuff. And right. A little bit later, you get into that with Batman and Robin. But, like, this version that Michael Keaton plays... He's not this billionaire playboy type that we see so often in the comics, which is, you know, the real mask of Bruce Wayne. You want to get nuts? Let's get nuts. So good. I, I love that, you know, Batman 89, it's it's an, it's not an origin story. It's it's almost yes. like what these uh, Superman uh, superhero films now, like with Spider-Man, they drop him they drop you in as he's been him yeah. but obviously they do light touches to his origins but that's it and it's funny how the schumacher films kind of try to be like let's reel it back let's kind of discover more about who batman is how do you become yeah. them and his the lingering um you know grieving of his parents but you know if you they stuck the route with that tim burton did he had a perfect balance of this is an origin. You know who he is, even if you don't, because there's these. You know, like you said, the the old the previous version was Adam West. Yeah. But like, it did it beautifully and yeah. perfectly, well balanced. And it and was you, and it was really perfect too. Like to that point, right? They they make a point of establishing that it is still relatively early in his career as Batman. Yes. So they like it's almost like giving you an origin story without giving you all the shit that you don't need. And you to don't see. need it. You don't yeah. need the plot. It really was brilliant. Yeah, yeah, he's he's been Batman for a while. He's this long-standing urban legend. You know, he, mm. you know, the urban legend is why Vicky Vale is there. Like he's definitely been fighting crime but on a smaller scale. Like right. what brings him into the forefront and you know by the end of the movie with the bat signal and all that is that he finally faces a super villain. Mm -hmm. You know, until then he can stay in the shadows cuz the problems he's facing are muggers, you know, bank robbery, smaller things, so he's not seen by anybody other than like the criminal class. And it's great because they don't even need to bring in the psychology of yeah. does Batman invent his own villains by existing? Like, right. you know, the Joker has his own origin story set alone from the existence of Batman. Same with the Penguin. Same with Catwoman. It's not because he exists. It's because it just so happens they have their own stories that you understand and they're fleshed out. You know, even in Batman Begins, like the Penguin has a monologue of why he is who he is and mm -hmm. what his goals are and it's nothing to do with the existence of Batman. Yeah. yeah. Batman is almost a secondary character to these, you know, to these villains similar to what Nolan did get right with, you know, The Dark Knight that it really is the Joker's show, right. you know. Yeah. But you know, either way, Batman still holds the screen just as hard. Yeah, cuz especially in Batman Returns, right? Like, you know, like you said, Penguin is just trying to be mayor and, and have a power grab, right? Find, yep. find his and, parents. Yeah, find and, his parents who find out who he is right. and other Cat than Woman a freak. Just, and Catwoman is just trying to get revenge for her, you know, quote-unquote murder from Max Shrek, right? Like, so, yeah. It all, yeah, it all it all works out together like that. I mean, yeah, the, the Batman and Batman Returns are more villain origin stories than anything else. And because, goes, yeah, Gotham is so over the top. 
like Gotham is just naturally an over-the-top city when it comes yep. to the size of the buildings, the size of the statues, how it's always dark. Like even during the daytime, <laughs> it's, it's like, never it's like yeah. So Gotham, like yeah. that kind of creates a certain type of person. And you're right. Like the Penguin's origin story is years before Batman exists. Yep. Mm-hmm. So you have this like weird, you know, like mutant character long before there is a Batman. It's right. just like Batman is a product of Gotham City in the same way that all these other weirdos oh, are. I love that. Yeah. 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 And going back to what you were talking about, Michael Keaton, he is the our definitive Batman, I would say. Yeah. Just because he was like he was, you know, Michael Keaton was the Mr. Mom and brought and then he brought this different tone to himself as an actor, but the campiness that Batman's a very flawed person, but you yeah. didn't need to vomit it onto the screen or use dialogue. It's he not had a like study. It's, it's not, not a character, right. but, yeah. and like the room when Vicky Vale and um, the other reporter were in there with like all like the the models of like different armors and stuff, and they're just like, "Look, yep. guys!" He's like, "I got that in Japan." He goes, "How would you know that?" Well, I bought it I in bought Japan because that kind of Japanese. and that plays up to more of the Playboy attitude, yeah. right? Because he, he's just kind of like big dick swinging, like, "Well, because I because I bought it in Japan, <laughs> like, of course I know what it is." <laughs> but you, you, know, you can tell he's yeah. kind of an odd fellow, and yeah. he's, sort of, he's a recluse because. The guy, he's one of the bigger reporters in the Gotham or you know the press, and he doesn't know who. Ba- who? How do you not know who Bruce Wayne right. is? Yeah. He's the on, richest he's, man in Gotham. He's honestly much more like when, when you really think about it, especially in the context of like today's billionaires. He really is much more of what you would picture an actual billionaire to be, because most of like the stereotypical like you know playboy drinking yeah. partying. Those are those are billionaires that like inherited their fortunes. While yes, he did inherit a lot of money from his father, he still did build Wayne Enterprises into something that it wasn't yeah. necessarily before that. So it makes more sense that he's a little bit more quirky, a little bit more eccentric, right? Because right? he wasn't, you know, he didn't grow up with his parents. Like he wasn't a teenager when his parents were alive, drinking and partying and fucking doing blow and like whatever, right? Like so yeah. he, you know. It makes more sense that he plays that part a little bit more in an eccentric manner. And for me, the one thing that he, Michael Keaton, absolutely gets perfect about Batman is the voice. Oh, yeah. Mm. Because that's one thing that I always, like, I never understood why, you know, people, like, simp for the Nolan movies. And, like, yes, they are really good, but I'm sorry, I can't get past Christian Bale's voice. I yeah, can't. Like, I, I can't get past it. it. It takes me completely out of the fucking movie. I have it's, to disagree yeah. a little bit, though. Val Kilmer and Clooney really do nail a good Bruce Wayne and Batman voice well, too. All, oh, they Val do. Kilmer may yeah. be the best. Well, all four movies, <laughs> they fair. have it be a different voice, right. but not over the top, like like you have, um, you know, in the Nolan movies. And also, getting back to how we're talking about the type of billionaires, it's almost like. His Bruce Wayne is more like the '60s Kennedys, right? Exactly, than like Ooh, yeah. the modern Kennedys, exactly. Right? Like the '60s, well, it matches the art socially style. responsible yep. Kennedys as opposed to the more crazy, Definitely. you know, like social media ones now. Because so yeah, '89 is supposed to have a modern feel to it, but at the same time, it's it's not. It's right. very art that's deco. That's what I very, want to talk and, about. Yes, the time period. That's I what can't I love tell. About this. I was tell. watching because there's TVs, and but they're black and white. Yep. But they're but there's computers. Everybody's wearing hats like it's the '40s. But the cars seem to be somewhat modern. There's jets, so it can't be the 40s. Like, what's great is it's almost like it's its own, like, steampunk variant. We'll see this. Where, like, where the technology is more like, it's more like art deco punk. So this, to me, I think really speaks to the brilliance of Tim Burton and going back to what we were talking about at the beginning of the episode of making Gotham a character. Because I can very much see, like, like for me, I think it's very just easy to say, 
the year the movie came out is the year that it, we are in this world of Gotham, right? It's 1989, so that's why a lot of this technology exists. But because of this just bizarro nature of of how Gotham exists, that's why it almost feel like feels like you're going into a time warp because that's literally just the culture, you know, of that city. It's kind of it's kind of like when you go to like you know, it's kind of like when you go to like Philly, right? Yeah. Like like in Philly, like buildings in Philly are like falling the fuck apart. You can still <laughs> smoke in a lot of bars. Like it feels like it's 1986 when you yeah. go to like Philly, right? Even though everybody's got a cell phone, right? Like, you know, so it's just, it's just the culture of Gotham, I think. And that very much plays into, I think the genius of Tim Burton. And that's Tim Burton, right? Like, so what I don't think many people realize is that it's clear in these first two movies, there are basically no real locations yeah. outside of Wayne Manor. So Wayne Manor is obviously like a British manor home, both inside and out. That's probably one of the few locations they shot on location. Everything else, especially the outdoors of Gotham, like, like, like the whole great sequence, like the opening of the movie, how great is it? You think you're seeing a Batman origin. That's one thing I've always thought, like as yes. the movie begins, right? See the two parents... They kind of go down an alley. You got the kid. You think you're seeing Such some a great sort fake of out. yeah, and then it's actually Batman. But that whole like huge plaza is built somewhere. Like Nolan did a good job of like utilizing Chicago, and New York as best he could. I thought but it was it's Pittsburgh. So it's New York. So Chicago. so in the first two movies, it's almost entirely um, Chicago. Oh, okay. In the second movie, it's a little bit of Chicago, but it's mostly New York. Mm. And then at the uh, and then of course the the, the football game it's sold but it's like, like Federal like Hall that, yeah. like, like like where they have the final sequence that's yeah. downtown that's Federal Hall it's, it's where um, Washington was inaugurated it's this okay. big old building from the um, 1800s but yeah like it's what I love about Batman the first two and this is where the other two start to fall apart in the next two movies Batman and Forever and Batman and Robin you have more daylight scenes and you have more real sets. And you notice the difference in tone right away. It becomes more colorful. Well, yeah, but the, not the in a whole good way. the whole tone of Gotham completely. Mm-hmm. It's one. It's one in the Schumacher movies. Gotham is one giant nightclub. Like no matter yeah. where you go, everything is neon and fucking like you know. I think so. You know, with Burton's uh, Gotham, it it actually lends very well to the idea of suspending disbelief. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of critics would be like, "Well, this isn't real. This is not." It was so over the top, and it. it Definitely shows this is not our universe. Never think that whatsoever. And then, you know, we know it's a comic book movie, but people went into it, I assume, not thinking about it. The success, you know, especially in 89, wasn't that people wanted to go see a comic book movie. It would have fell flat. Like, yeah. let's say, yeah. like, Spawn, I'm sure. Like, even though it's a cult classic, not something that made money. Because if it did, we'd be having more. We would have had more of those. Or, like, The Crow. Or, sorry yeah. for Brandon Lee. Yeah. But, um... You know, it was easy for people to buy into it because it was so over the top, but so gritty and yeah, awesome. And that's why I never understood, too, like anybody that would complain about those sorts of things, like from a DC perspective, like if you've ever read DC comics, like all the cities are fucking fake. Metropolis, Gotham, Star City, Central City. These aren't real fucking cities. Right. These are all completely made up. Like they're modeled off of, you know, certain uh, the real world cities, but they're not fucking real. No. Like none of these are fucking real. So like you should go in expecting it to be like, 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 again, just again, going back to like the Nolan stuff. Like I don't want, like I was annoyed 
watching those movies being like, oh, this looks like every other fucking city I've ever been to. There's mm-hmm. no character here. Like, what defines this this backdrop of this place? Like, any good movie like that has that. Like, when you think of movies like, you know, Dread, for example, uh, right? I love yeah. it. Like that backdrop, right? Like, yep. you know, it just, it, it makes the movie Was it Mega you. City Boston? Yeah, right? Yeah. Like, it makes the fucking movie. But you know who didn't like all this darkness and stuff? The sponsors. And that's why Tim Burton didn't come back for Batman Forever. Wait, is that really the reason why? I they, thought it was so, more of a creative uh, difference. Well, yes, McDonald's was, was satisfied with all the money yeah. they no, made. No, no, because of McDonald's and the to- basically they wanted the toyification that oh. that Schumacher brought. Well, that explains all so, that. Like, yeah. So Tim Burton produced the third one, and he was, he was somewhat involved, which is why Batman Forever is better than Batman and Robin, which he wasn't involved in at all. Right. But, yeah, so, he, so Michael Keaton leaves because Tim Burton is removed from the job that by, I know. by, that by I know. Warner Brothers. Yeah. And that's because like, if, like there were all these huge um, cross-promotions uh, right around the time of Batman, for, uh, Batman Returns. And even though Batman Returns was successful, they, the companies like all like that were geared towards kids, the Happy Meal toys and all the, right. and the Mattel stuff, they were um, disappointed with how the cross-promotion was so that's why you have all these colorful stuff in Batman Forever. That's where they go away from all the darkness. That's why. Right. That's also why the um, the Riddler wears so many clothes. Why does he have so many costume changes? In he Batman has like Forever? seven different. Why does outfits. Batman change his suit in Batman Forever? Why you know why is there all these different costume changes? Because no. you can sell how many different action figures. It makes perfect sense why yeah. Batman had to change his suit in Batman Forever. He had to have a whole different suit to have a cow that had night vision. And even yeah, <laughs> and including though, he needed space for his nipples and yeah, <laughs> all bat nipples too. They make their bat first appearance in best. Batman Forever, bat nipples which is best. terrible because the suit is almost exactly like. The one that Val Kimmer wears is almost exactly yeah. like the one. Except he has nipples Michael and Keaton like a ridiculous wears, but all of a sudden, cod yeah, piece. And a co- uh, the, like the, he has a fucking cod piece. You, you, like it's yeah. so <laughs> unnecessary. But other it's, than that, oh, yes, yeah. it's a very similar suit. But then, yeah, I mean, like I, I like Batman Forever. Yeah. Like overall, it's too, a pretty. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry. Like I don't say what you will. Jim Carrey as the Riddler was fantastic, and Tommy Lee Jones was awesome as Two Face. Didn't think right. he had it in the bag, right? Yeah. Like he, like he killed. Like he did a very. It's a shame good, we didn't have Billy Dee Williams though. Yes, no. I mean, I, it would have been nice to have Billy D. Williams because then, then that gets into the canonness yes. of you know the the movie or whatever. I, but I, I, I think I don't think Billy D. Williams would have had it in him like Tommy Lee Jones did. Because Tommy Lee Jones really fucking crushed that role. Yeah. Like he he brought a level. He Unless there was gonna be a level of charm to right. Harvey Dent. Because Tommy Lee which Jones, I think I would have liked. Would have been yeah. more psychological too. Tommy Lee Jones brought the perfect level of camp yeah. to that role. Like and because because Jim Carrey was just he was. Three sheets of the fucking wind, yeah. the like belligerent the entire movie, which worked for the Riddler, right? Yeah. Um, but he was so the the level of camp he brought to the role of Two Face is perfect for me. I also I, this is more directed towards you guys, I guess, but mostly Ed is that in the comics, Two Face is quite gentlemanly and very suave in a lot of the. The, the the frames and yeah. you could yeah. you could you could tell you probably he's probably smelled fucking good he probably yeah. smelled like a nice smooth cigar I like, like with the Tommy me what I think Two Face smells like <laughs> this is definitely an Ed question <laughs> but then like in the yeah, movies yeah that's not into the weird fetish shit in the movies you could like you know yeah. with Tommy Lee Jones and then you had Harvey Dent in the Nol in the Nolan films with. Yeah. Uh, um, what's his name? Um, I can see his face, and it's uh, oh, um, uh, it Jesus with Aaron Eckhart. Aaron, Aaron Eckhart, Eckhart. Thank you. And you Craig can tell Kimmy they're up. very unhinged and like yeah. 
Two Face is supposed to be a bipolar character. Neither movie. Neither has movie. That. Neither now, movie. They just go into chaos. One yeah. of the things we're gonna and get I don't into, like it. No, I agree. And one Billy of, D. Williams yeah. could have played a suaver, more put together guy. And when he needs to turn it on, I don't know if he could have done the mania of it, but. I definitely think you can buy into how manipulative he could be. He, reminder, he was the DA, a yeah. guy that does need to be cool, a comic collected, and be suave and schmooze people over. Right. Now, jumping ahead a bit, when we get to the Batman 89 comic book that came out a couple of years ago, that is a version, basically, of Batman Forever. And they write it as though Tim Burton would have still made the movie and Billy Dee Williams is in it. That is a bipolar um of of uh, Two Face, almost on, to the yeah. point where he's actually talking to himself. He's full but on had a brain. That's, yeah. that's a comic and character. That's what it he should be. That. Yeah, he should have the ability to be both characters. Like that's the problem with Tommy Lee Jones and his portrayal in Batman Forever is that he's basically just a crazy guy the whole time. Yeah. Yes, he does the psychotic flip of the coin, but so much of what he does is he's the same guy. Whereas you're right, if Billy D. Williams was playing that character, he'd mostly be a suave guy. He'd be that cult forty-five, you know, like <laughs> politician most of the time. And then, like, you know, if he flips the coin and it and it lands on the scratched head, then he psychotically beats you to death. And like know? a soft, that would be a soft launch into for. I bet you Tim Burton had an amazing, amazing plan to go into more psychology yes. and delve into more character development, which. It makes me feel so regretful. For and like, it would, but it wouldn't have to uh, sold uh, Happy Meal toys. Who gives a shit? <laughs> <laughs> Why? Because he's black. Also, getting America still got fatter. Yeah. Everyone still got their <laughs> shit. Getting into the city stuff, I love that we see like a different version of the Statue of Liberty in Gotham. I know, right? Like it's re it's a it's a it has a different mold. Like it's very different. A lot you know? of care. Yeah, right. yeah. Because yeah. Gotham, because Gotham originally was modeled off of New York. Because yes. I was like, you know, New York in the seventies and shit when it was a complete yeah. fucking Gotham cesspool. City. Like, is you know, like that's yeah. the, that's a nickname for New York and all right. that. Yeah, it's and they they do make a, you know like just in case anybody wonders because of course this is cannon fodder, you know, Batman and Forever and Batman and Robin are definitely in the same world, even though you keep on. Um, replacing the Batman actor, right? You have the same Alfred. You right. Same Commissioner Gordon. Same Commissioner Gordon. And then, of course, our our second clip of the episode, we have a reference to Catwoman from um, from early in the movie coming from the gorgeous Nicole Kidman. Yep. You like strong women. I've done my homework. Or do I need skin tie vinyl and a whip? Yeah, and, but, so, but, but see, here's my thing, though. Yes. That... To me, that line is really the only thing that kind of truly makes it canon. Because, yes, you can argue that same Alfred, right? Same Commissioner Gordon. Those are two key mm -hmm. players right across all four movies. But for me, I think you can make a strong argument for Forever and Return. I'm sorry, Forever and Batman and Robin not being canon, again, based off of the fact that. 
Gotham in the span of four years has been completely remodeled. Now, you can say maybe the sun is shining because Batman has done such a good job. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it is much more. It's mu- all of a sudden the sun is shining. Right. And like it's very. And you do have. But even the architecture, the top, though, yeah, it's like it's more. It's, it's even more over the top. Yeah. The statues go from being like several times bigger than humans to being the size of buildings. And right. Of course, it's, in Batman and Robin, they have a chase sequence across statues the size of skyscrapers. Exactly. Yeah. It's like a. Yeah. Uh, it's like a, who's that famous painter? Uh, the who the fucking guy that did the clocks melting? Pablo Picasso? No, <laughs> not Picasso. <laughs> the uh, fucking somebody Google it. God damn it! But anyway, it look it looks like a painting. Like it, it's no longer that gothic style. Right. Um, no, it's, it's yeah, it's it's much more of a Salvador Dali type. Thank like, you, Salvador well, yeah. Dali. That's what I was thinking. Of. Jesus yeah. Christ, couldn't find that. I, I could picture him with the fucking mustache and everything. Like, goddamn it. But you know, um, but then those two movies are definitely you know connected because you see, um, you know, Robin comes back in Batman and, and and Robin, and of course, there's a great scene in the in the property locker. And what's interesting is I have a photo of the property locker here, and you see, as um as their um as the terrible Bane is helping to break out, um. <laughs> Why was Bane so fat? Victor Freeze. Why was he so yeah. fat? <laughs> Everything about Bane is terrible. You see the Two-Face suit. The Two-Face suit, yes. And the Riddler suit from before. But I'm, I was like staring at this. It would have been really nice if you saw either a penguin or an umbrella or, or something. Whip, you don't yeah. see anything referencing the other movies. So exactly. Interesting. Or just the but teeth. Yeah. The teeth yeah. is probably just... Right. Yeah. Well, which, overall, is, which is, which is why I think is fantastic. Like, I think no, I, I like think Batman Forever a lot. It's better than I think... It, that I that I remembered it being. It it's gets just, a very bad too, rap. Yeah, it's just too bright. Although, what you do without the laundry scene, though. The yeah. laundry scene. <laughs> oh. I was just gonna say, I was like, I was like, but that laundry scene, though, man, like his garage is sick. Too. That yes, dude. Well, that's another thing too. Like that garage, as cool as that scene is, that's so visually different than the way yeah. his garage. Let's should make look. Bruce Wayne douchier. I am. Yeah, I am con- what, I'm convinced. But he could that have all those vehicles. In a more gothic garage. Right. Like, that's my problem. I've always been convinced that Jean-Claude Van Damme was the stunt legs for the laundry scene. <laughs> oh, yes. Like, it's, it's just, I'm watching this scene, and I'm like, what, well, do they mean to cast Jean-Claude Van Damme? Like, what the fuck is happening here? Uh, speaking of Jean-Claude Van Damme, we do see Batman. I think he does do a split in... Uh, yes. He does. In which wait, where does it, when does he do the split? I forget. Where? I believe he does it in forever. Is it in forever or, or Batman and Robin? So remember he gets like the knives thrown and he dodges yeah. it by Oh his, yes, yes, you're right. Yes. So speaking of Jean Claude Van Damme, I think you are onto something, Maddie. I mean listen, I'm not gonna lie. When I was what, when did Batman uh, uh Forever come out? Ninety seven? Forever came out in ninety five. Ninety five, yeah. Batman and Robin was ninety seven. I mean listen, I, You gotta look at those stunt coordinators right now. I de- <laughs> I mean I definitely used my socks as nunchucks for like a long time after that in that scene where he's, he's like he him in the back po- of the post-coital yeah. <laughs> <laughs> these cum-filled socks I'm just whipping them around like yeah mom's worst nightmare <laughs> it's such splattering on the wall it's such comic book logic like oh look at the way that kid does his laundry he can fight crime I know right? <laughs> but and, but it, it does really stretch believability as crazy as it is when you talk about how silly Batman and and Batman returns at some points. Like, it's not clear like what the Enigma box does. And can oh, you yeah. <laughs> what what and can Such you see a MacGuffin. can you see the green stuff or is that just seen on film, dude? And then why the hell does Bruce Wayne have a Batcave in Bruce Tower in, in the Wayne Tower? Right. That with, with this like ridiculous like 
slide. Yeah, <laughs> like the, the cinematography felt like yeah. fear and loathing. In yes. Australia. Yeah, like they want to get like the trippy surrealism into it, but I don't know. Like we didn't need that. Like Tim Burton's. Like I know we keep circling back to what the yeah. the, the heart of the episode is. Is the Tim Burton like? It, it, dare I say gritty? He had grit before. It was grit. yeah, but, but this like one is all the, Adam West. Like, uh, like, like the fight sequences. You hear the pow yes, and they the do burr, that. Burr, and, so, the, and the theme changes to be more Adam Westy. Yeah. So here's holy rusted metal Batman. I do here. like the I do like the horns in Forever. The horns in Forever. Here's my real question: the scene where the, the it's, it's the it's the most random scene ever because it literally. Adds nothing from a plot perspective, and I'm certain that the studio was like, Joel, we need one more action scene, right? It's that random chase scene that just comes out of nowhere with, with Two-Face and Batman, right? Yes. That ends with him. He thinks he's got him, right? He thinks he's got Batman. He's cornered in that alleyway in the Batmobile, no place to go. And he shoots that fucking grappling hook from the yeah. front of the Batmobile, goes up rides up the side of the building and the scene ends with two faces like ah oh, darn he got away but me right i'm like okay so the batmobile gets to the top of the building that it's on then where does he go unclear right like, <laughs> yeah. just like, like unless you know unless you're giving me a scene where the batmobile also sprouts some wings and becomes the dual batwing where the fuck does he go he's on top of this building right now i just picture he gets out of the car and he's like well, okay, um, I'm here now, right? Like, you know, like, guess I need a new Batmobile. Well, speaking of set pieces, like Alfred, come get of, me. <laughs> one of the best set pieces, and I haven't seen any other movie try to recreate it, is the opening to Batman Forever with the mm-hmm. safe scene mid air yeah. with the acid. It's so fucking good. sick. It's so good. Why has anyone done it? The closest thing was, what, Fast Five when they were in Brazil yeah. and they had the saving <laughs> toad? Like, we need more people trapped in safes, like yeah. being thrown around. Amazing, and it's not derivative of anything that's ever been done before. No. That's what's upsetting is that there were the really, really good solid. ideas. Yeah. It had to probably be a Tim Burton. It had to be a Tim Burton um, uh, idea. Now let's talk about the Batmobile. I'm so glad that Matt brought up the Batmobile. So, an amazing looking Batmobile. Phallic. I love the way it looks. <laughs> Which one? It's bright blue. And like it's just like it's like the Batman Forever Batmobile is great oh, the, with the fire have, engine, and you Ooh, needed to have yeah. a new one, right? Because it was destroyed in Batman Returns. But it is the most impractical Batmobile because you can see it a mile away because it's it's like a disco ball, dude. And like it's, it's so bright that there's no way you can sneak up on an oppo- on an opponent. Whereas Batman Returns, Batman. It's black. It can hide. This one, you see it a mile away. And there's no I love way. it, though. It's a warning. There's it's a amazing. goddamn warning in the beautiful. sky that he's coming. He's fucking different. coming that, to your tits. But like, that just tells you that he's nearby. This one, you can see him driving down the road a mile away. But there's also no way you could actually drive that thing on anything other than a straightaway racetrack. Right. That thing had a front end the size of a school bus. Like, yeah. you can't... And he's back... He's set back in it, right? Yeah. Like... There's at least like there there looked like there was at least twenty feet in front of him in that front end of that car. Yep. You can't turn that thing on a dime, you know, like which which again, another the, the the genius of Burton, right? Like I loved, you know, how they how he had that one scene where Batman thinks of everything. He shoots the little grappling hook and like whips himself around the corner, like, okay, that makes sense. It's the practical. That was a great use of the grappling. And right? they couldn't they couldn't do it again. It's like Schumacher, like, he just copied 
Burton, but he but wasn't then, Burton. Tried to one up it a little but wait, bit. Then, but then it gets okay. So now that we're on the topic of the Batmobile in Batman and Robin, it gets even worse because it's a fucking convertible. Yeah. There is no protection whatsoever. Nope. Like in in Adam in the Adam West Batman, it made sense. In Batman and Robin. What the fuck am I watching? <laughs> yeah, well, we're, so before we get into Batman Robin, which I think we're going to spend the most amount of time on, because we often spend the most amount of time on the worst things, Yeah, I will play, this is an interesting, getting into canon, one interesting clip that I want to play is, this does play into, maybe there is a larger DC world we never get to see. Where will you go? The circus must be halfway to Metropolis by now. Fix on two so there is a metropolis yes officially in the world of batman and robin and then very early on when we get to batman and robin we have another interesting line this is why superman works alone so that's where i forgot about that in line. the batman forever that. batman and robin world there is a superman and interestingly enough do you know that christopher reeve reached out to warner brothers in 1989, asking to have a cameo in Batman. He thought it'd be interesting if he like showed up and talked to Batman and then like flew away. I mean, that would have been the fuck. Or like a reporter, ever. just a yeah. Re- yeah. You know, that but, but, like, but he's specifically just gonna yeah, be yeah. Superman. He he and it never went anywhere. So yeah, I think that's kind of it's an interesting what if in this whole world. And and now let's get into the worst what if of all time is proof that we're living in a terrible timeline. Is Batman and Robin just everything? Now all of a sudden there's three villains. Bane is not Bane. I oh, love Batgirl Batman and Robin. It's Batgirl. so stupid. It's so bad. I love it. It's so bad that I love it. Like this, and like, and, like, and Batman and Robin is. It, it's not even like it takes its time getting bad. It's bad from the get. Right like the they bat. go down when they click their heels and the ice skates come out and there's that whole hockey fight scene in the very opening scene. I'm like, it's kind of cool. No, it's awesome. <laughs> no, it's, it's so fucking cool. I love every second of it, but it's like it's absurd from the moment the movie starts. It's just great yeah. ideas thrown on, at the wall and it just let the paint dry. Dude, it's drugs. Yeah. Like the people that were making this movie, they're like, all right, Tim Burns not producing anymore. Break out the cocaine. This we're, is the we're 90s. Fucking ice skating. <laughs> I feel like it's Let's not cocaine. Go. I feel like it's got to be it's like ecstasy. psychedelics. Yeah, it's right. Ecstasy. Like yeah. everybody, like every uh, Mr. Freeze's henchmen, they're all going to be dressed like Casey Jones. All of like, his lines. Let's go. <laughs> every line that Mr. Freeze says is a pun. It's <laughs> so good. I mean, they like literally play hockey. Like, why does Batman have a have a? How does he have a bank card? All right, how does he have the, a credit card? What's the uh, yeah? I want to know how much American Express paid for that cameo. What's the best Mr. Freeze pun? Because I know mine. I don't know. Everyone, chill, chill. That's a really good That's one. Good yeah. one. Mm-hmm. My favorite is uh, what killed the dinosaurs? The, the Ice Age. <laughs> like, it's just like Cause also because it has like a wind up. The rest yeah. of them are like let's kick some ice. Like the rest of them are just like one liners. That one has a wind up. <laughs> also, what is going on? With their plan. It's so unclear. It doesn't make any sense. So he's going to freeze off the entire world (laughs) with satellites so then plants can grow? What do you mean? What is going on? And, like, I, I like how, like, Uma Thurman, like... She like has this weird crush on him for for reasons passing understanding. Oh God, it's so bad. <laughs> and I know she looks amazing in this. And well, like, of course she does. And but I still don't get like. Well, the way she dies yeah. doesn't make any sense because she's like the the queen of plants, yet she gets killed by a plant at the end, yeah. right? Like, it just doesn't make any fucking sense. <laughs> also, like, there's a huge continuity issue. If you ever rewatch the movie, which maybe if you're drunk, you will. 
they just switch suits. Like, so they're fighting. Um, it's clear that they, like, cut a bunch of stuff. So yeah. they're fighting a Poison Ivy, right? Right. And, you know, like, Robin does the whole fake lip thing. That's how you know that he and Batman are, like, a team again. And then Batgirl helps them. Well, that was helps actually them. a cool yeah. reveal. That was a cool reveal. That was a cool right. reveal. So they're all in one suit then, right? Like, like the regular suits. Right. And then... They're like, oh my gosh, we got to get to the um, observatory as quick as possible because literally they're in the process of freezing the entire world. They make a whole change to these like suits that serve no purpose other than to look cool in the snow. And Batgirl's in the movie for a half hour. She has two suits. Yeah, and they all have their own like crazy like ice vehicles. Yes, that's right. Yeah, the ice vehicles were great. I listen. I owned all the ice vehicles. I loved the fucking <laughs> the, the, the ice vehicle Batmobiles. Oh, it's sick! I love it. Michael goes like, "I took the liberty of cha- alterating your outfits." Yes, <laughs> like, yeah. right? you're dying, Alfred. You're dying. I love we don't how Alfred this. just makes outfits too, because he does that to Robin, right? He makes Robins and Batman yeah. forever, right? He makes Batgirls. Like it's just, and it is interesting that like she's not Gordon, right? She can't be Barbara Gordon because. Oh, right. Gordon is a fool. I forgot about that. She's not Gordon's daughter. That's right. right. He wouldn't make a girl that that. hot, too. (laughs) Commissioner Gordon is such an idiot. Yeah, and that was that. that, We got to. I mean, this was like peak smoke, Alicia Silverstone. Yeah. This was like, you want, I mean, like like we said before, right? You had, you know, Kim Basinger, Michelle Pfeiffer, Nicole Kidman, Uma Thurman, but fucking Alicia Silverstone might take the cake. Dream recasting, Heather Graham. Yo, that would have been so great, right? <laughs> Dream recasting. But right yeah, I now. mean, like, you know, the, I mean, her costume didn't have nipples, so that was like a, a waste, unfortunately. <laughs> Very but, woke. You know, but yeah, but no, that's a great point. I never really thought about that. Yeah, it's like we got to get there as quickly as possible. Let's just hang on. Let me let me do an alpha change real quick. Yeah. Like, you know. <laughs> oh, it's, and then and then they like unfreeze everybody. And, oh, and whole, one of my favorite scenes. The dog gets unfrozen, too. One, yes, <laughs> one of my favorite scenes in that movie. It was like it was like I remember it was the first time in my life where I noticed like bad special effects. Yeah. Because like, up until that point, I never really like paid attention to that kind of stuff. And this this was just too egregious for me to not notice. It's when they're starting to thaw things. Right. Mm-hmm. There's this scene, and you guys probably remember it, where um, a dude gets out of his car that had icicles blasted on the side, and when he opens his car door, you clearly see the plastic icicles, like, wobble, because they're just, like, <laughs> taped onto his yeah. fucking door, and they just wobble. I remember even as a kid, I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> that's not how it works. Yeah, that's not how this shit works. Like, <laughs> and he has the little... I forgot the the bat heaters with like the symbol. He on has them. all of these bats heaters. He's so he's so like particularly prepared for this type of scenario. The bat heater is pretty sick though. It's coming. like is it a laser? Can it open up doors? I know, right? like, but now he's just doing it to fucking heat up the water to ungodly <laughs> temperatures. He, Robin would go into cardiac arrest. I know, right? <laughs> They're like, let's make let's make an Adam West movie only. Not like let's just make it worse somehow. <laughs> it's, oh, it's 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 next level. We it's, will get another Batman iteration that will return to form or Tim Burton. I I like where the Batman and Robert Pat Robert Pattinson's heading. Oh, so with, yeah. like the dark gritty young Batman who's a whiny asshole, and I have a, yes. a lot of opinions about how insensitive like you know insensitive he is. But that's for another pod for sure. Oh yeah, we'll definitely get into all that. 
Ed, are we are we gonna circle back around on Jack Nicholson? Maybe? I was just gonna so, say, yeah. we, so we, the absolute we, winner. We yeah, we completely like. Yeah, we completely forgot about how that. How great! I, I mean, he is. He's the best Joker in my opinion. Which is crazy because he is the only version. So there's now been. So I'm sorry. There's we've seen four live action Jokers, of big. Uh, in movies, right? We've seen four live-action Jokers so far. I'm not counting the guy at the end of the Batman because we didn't really see much. You're talking okay. about Gotham, the TV show. Right? Well, I'm, I'm talking about in the movies. We've seen four live-action Joker in the movies. We've seen his version. We've seen Jared Leto. We've seen um, we've seen Heath Joaquin Ledger. Phoenix. We've seen Heath Ledger. Well, see, I have to add Heath Ledger and Joaquin Phoenix both won Academy Awards. Jack Nicholson did not, which is crazy to me. But he's the reason why I think they won Academy Awards because he kind of opened the door for all this. So I have to, I have to add um, Cameron Monaghan. Cameron Monaghan, and I got to add Cesar Romero on Cesar Romero. The list, but they're not movies. Right? But yes, that's well, technically movies. the Adam West was a movie. There was a movie Correct. made from Correct. that, even though yeah. it was like a TV movie. Where they like were whatever, climbing the right? UN. But I think you have to add because because for me, right? Like, and this this might be this might be sacrilege for. Some people listening to this podcast, or maybe the two people sitting here with me, but Heath Ledger and uh, uh, Joaquin Phoenix are like at the bottom of my list for Jokers. Like for me, it's Jack Nicholson number one, unquestionably. Mm-hmm. Second for me is Cameron Monaghan from Gotham. Like Ooh. he, he fucking, and, and maybe there's a little bit of. Um, maybe he has an unfair advantage because his character had so much time to develop in. He had more time on screen, that, multiple episodes. Yeah. yeah, but he was fucking great for me. And then next for me, like Cesar Romero from the fucking sixties. Yeah, Cesar Romero. Like j- just the fact, just the fact that this motherfucker refused to shave his fucking mustache when that. they put the makeup on him. <laughs> so that clear. alone, like, just make that he's so great. And the Joker is tough, right? Because yeah. very much like. Batman and, and so many characters in Marvel and DC and whatever, right? These characters have been around for yeah. 50, 60, 70 years at this point, and they've been written by so many different writers, been written in so many different ways. So there is no, like, one definitive, like, characterization. Like, you know, right. certain characters like Spider-Man. Peter Parker. Peter Parker has been written the same way for fucking 55, 65 years. Yes. He's always been Peter Parker. Batman... The Joker, especially a lot of those characters, they've been written in very different ways. So there's different ways to interpret those characters. So it's hard to say who's the best, but for me, that's my that's my ranking. But uh, why didn't somebody tell me he had one of those uh, things? I do like how how often he just where does he get those toys? Like how <laughs> often he just randomly kills people? Like the amount of henchmen he just kills. Bob, gun. Yeah. This is the best fucking scene. <laughs> and, and his plan, out of all their plans, is the most indiscriminately terrifying, right? And it makes the most yeah. sense. It's the yeah. only one you can actually explain. Right. So, like, so I guess technically, um, Mr. Freeze and Poison Ivy want to kill the whole world, but it's <laughs> wacky. Batman Forever is more about just making, you know, like just taking over, just becoming really powerful, you know, um, like creating this big company and just kind of like r- yep. ruling everything. You know, Penguin wants to be mayor, much smaller scale, and and Catwoman is just kind of you know, just like a vigilante of sorts. Right. Whereas the Joker, he just is like basically bringing Gotham to a standstill by just randomly poisoning people, which I love. Like, there's no that, rhyme or reason. Like, it's so psychotic. Like, he just doesn't care. It's what 
you know, let's jump ahead to the Dark Knight, Heath Ledger. He apparently he always mentions pure chaos, chaos, but he, it's very methodical of what he's doing, mm-hmm. and also it's he has some love affair with the idea of Batman yes. and put pitting him and making a choice. Yep. Jack Nicholson, he was just competing with the yep. guy. One huge plot hole from yeah. Batman 89 is after he murders Grissom's henchman yes. by th- like throwing the pen at Uncle v- time to pay the check bingo or something like that. Yeah. One of the reporters immediately after goes, do you think that was Batman behind it? I'm like, no, it wasn't. There was reporters. There were cameras. There were a bunch of clowns. There was no Batman. What are you thinking? But Jack Nicholson's portrayal, very terrifying, pure chaos, and the most thought out practical chaotic thing that you would expect from the joker and it was more of a dick measuring contest for him even though batman wasn't even interested in it he was just trying to be like i gotta be the guy that's on the front page he goes remember when he says wait until they get a load of me he always just wanted to one-up the theatricality and the only way to do was actually to spill blood and that's not even his first idea his first idea was just to take over the mob and then from there it just spiraled into well, logically as he's losing his mind. I gotta kill people to be the guy. Yeah, and his plan allows Keaton's Batman to do something that no other Batman Makes has really sense. done. You're so right. And that is flex his detective skills, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So we actually the see makeup. that only really in these series. You know, like him being the scientist and detective putting together how the combination of certain products do all that. Yep. And him like. He is very rarely a detective. We see a little bit of it in the Batman, but not that much. We don't see it basically at all in the Nolan movies, as good as they not are. Not at all. You know, basically, it's Lucius Fox of doing Batman. all the yeah. detective work. Yeah. So, but he was really a detective in the first one. He's a he's a detective in the second one because he's looking into the genealogy and and, mm-hmm. and like the plans of Shrek and also of Cobblepot. You know, he's a little bit of a detective in. Um, Three because he's looking into like the um, the machinery of the Negro right, box yep. and like even four you well, know he's like, solving the riddles too yeah, yeah solving the riddles so like there is a lot more detective stuff that is one thing that takes that's a good this, point yeah like this version of Batman is different than all others is that the detective part is much more front and center than any other live action version it's funny there's a blanket statement for me that I'm like I always thought is Batman really a good detective but then I have to talk myself through that batman is in his full-time job he's actually he has to be bruce wayne so like it's more like i'm a good detective when something happens i'm not a good detective to prevent this stuff because there's glaring evidence in the world in general and he's just not putting his nose to it until he's like oh there's a few dead people i gotta figure this out (laughs) like in theory he's the worst he's like a worst full-time detective but he's not a full-time guy you know (laughs) it's so true though it's so fucking true but that's any superhero they show up when things go to the shit now here's where we start getting into the branching timelines that i talked about in the intro here we go baby so of course first four movies are one timeline Right. Batman to Batman Robin. Now, we can start going through all the other different things in Batman. The first one we're going to mention is in the 2019 Crisis on Infinite Earths, we see a various like array of Earths from across like all the different adaptations DC Comics has ever done. And my favorite one is that Robert Wool rep- reprises his role of Alexander Knox. So good. He's dressed up. Um, in the hat and the trench coat, and he's reading a newspaper, very Batman eighty nine. He's on what the um, what they call Earth eighty nine, and he is reading a 
Gotham City Gazette, and it says, Batman captures Joker. So this is interesting, right? This is one of many references that perhaps that version of Joker didn't die at the end. Nobody... Now, he fell forever. Right. But comic book logic. Nobody said that the Joker dies. And I love that. You assume that he dies. You assume he's dead, yeah. So then... Okay, so we have Batman 89. This is like a quick scene. This version of um, of Earth is destroyed in the crystals and different Earths. But okay, so we have one version. Now, another timeline that was never fully explored was Batman Continues was going to be the 1995 movie had McDonald's not intervened, <laughs> that Tim Burton <laughs> would... It really was going to be Batman Continues? That that was that was the working title. No, of course, it was the working title before they started filming. I didn't know that. Yeah. So that was, I've done a lot of research yeah, on that. That, that would have been the... That's a terrible so, title. Terrible. <laughs> Returns, Continues, doesn't it seem... You know, it seems logical there. It'd be funnier if it was Batman yeah. Finishes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I would have preferred Returns again. Or like, Bat- Batman's still here, you know? Like, <laughs> Continues. Like, what are we doing here? <laughs> so, early on, when they were developing this, before Tim Burton was fired, Robin Williams was in talks to be the uh, the Riddler. This is a huge thing for and Robin Marlon, Williams. And I've Marlon heard, Waynes, I've heard this, yes. Marlon Wayans would have been Robin. In fact, Marlon Wayans was actually cast as Robin in Batman Returns. He had a costume fitting. He was this close to being uh, that Robin. But there was just too many characters being um, yeah, too many introduced. New characters, yeah. And in Tim Burton, the back of his mind, he thought he'd have another one. So he was like, all right, I'll just push this back. Now, the closest the we ever choice. got to seeing this is a 2021 comic that we actually have with us here, Batman 89. Now, Matt and I have read Batman 89. Pat has not. So, yeah, so we'll describe to Pat and the audience yeah, about just how great this is. So it was written by Sam Hamm, who was one of the writers of Batman and Batman Returns. And it was based off of many uh, conversations he had had with Tim Burton about the third Batman movie, even though Tim Burton's not involved in this comic. It's drawn in the actual style of Returns and Batman. So like it has like that much more grittier black and white look. It has a slightly older-looking uh, Bruce Wayne. He has a little bit of that graying Gray, Kingdom yeah. Come Superman temples. They draw these characters that. like the Batman 89 actors. And in an interesting twist, the Robin that's introduced is drawn as Marlon Wayans. Mm-hmm. And he grew, and he's from the same neighborhood, the kind of like the Harlem of Gotham, that, um, that Billy D. Williams version of Two-Face slash Harvey Dent is from. So they have a little bit of a connection. They Miles Morales him before Miles Morales. They yes. sure did. That's yeah. amazing. And what's also great is that they have a ca- the character of Barbara Gordon in this. Mm. And so Barbara Gordon is portrayed as an actress resembling Winona Ryder. Yes. Who was, of course, already had worked with, with Tim, Tim Burton, Burton at this point. Yep. If he would have cast somebody, it would have been like her. She's a little bit older than we see here in uh, the comics normally. Uh, she's introduced as being a high-level me- person in um, Gotham City PD. She's actually engaged to mm-hmm. Billy D. Williams, Harvey Dent, and they're actually working to get rid of Commissioner Gordon because of his connection to and because of his like working with Batman. 
and he's actually being removed from office is one of the is one of the things. So she's kind of like turned her on him. Yeah, Batman's until, become more of a vigilante here yeah. for real. And then what happens is, um, so fate intervenes. And what's interesting is in this version <laughs> of um, the origin story for uh, Two Face, it happens more accidentally. He goes into a burning building looking to save somebody. Marlon Wayne's is Robin character. And instead of saving him, he gets burnt. And like he looks so disfigured and it makes him so feel so inadequate next to Batman that he couldn't save this kid that he has a psychotic break of the two characters. Because mm -hmm. he thinks, oh, he's about to be governor. He's like he's on this like whirlwind path taking out Gordon. He's, he's, he's trying to get the Batman out of there. And being ugly makes him think he can't be governor. That's where he has the break. And that's when he starts, you know, like going down this like crazy pathway. And, and all the whole time, Selena Kyle's back as Catwoman. Her and Bruce have a little bit of a relationship, but then they kind of break it off at the end. It's a wonderful read for anybody who's liked the other two. And what it is, is it. it's a different pathway. So this is our second pathway, right? So you would have Batman... Batman Returns and Batman A and I. This is a different timeline that completely erases everything forever in Batman um, and Robin. What did I miss? What What were your thoughts on Batman A and I, Matt? Oh, I fucking loved it. I thought it was incredible. Like mm -hmm. everything about it. The fact that the fact that it it, it does truly um, show you that it that Batman and Batman Returns are in the same universe, but you know, by giving you that Catwoman element. I like how Catwoman always refers to the fact that she has one life left, right? Yep. You know, because um, that gives you that you – because know, that was always hinted at right at the end of Returns when Shrek is shooting her and she's, like, counting how many lives she has <laughs> left, right? Like, I thought that was a cool – That's so badass. Yeah, it's so badass, right? Um, and then I even like how, like, in the, the art style, right, like, she's still wearing – her same fucked up suit from right. the end of Does that have bullet holes in it? Yeah, it's got like it's got like rips and tears. You know, like the seams came like, undone at the end yeah. when she's like yes. fighting Shrek. Yeah. And I like how I just like how they, you know, they updated Batman's costume just a little bit, but honestly you don't see a lot of Batman in this in this book, which I yeah. think is really great. And yes, it's an older Batman, um, more it seems more towards the end of his career, but it really does feel like you're reading what would have been the third Batman movie had Tim Burton and Michael Keaton and everybody else stuck around. Um, I think it's a great fucking story. Again, it's completely different in every yeah. way imaginable than what we got in Batman Forever and Batman and Robin. But it's a really true continuation to the original story, and I and I absolutely I love every every page. Yeah. Now before we continue from eighty nine, yeah. What you did mention because I haven't read it is that Winona Ryder would have been Barbara Gordon. Now, the my quick aside, if that were to come to fruition, I think it would have changed Winona Ryder's career for the better. Because you remember she kind of disappeared for yeah. quite yeah. some time. As an a legit like a kind of like this, does she have the act like the action actress yep. in her? It probably would have changed everything we know about her. And I love her career as such. And like, right. and her to emerge. I'm excited to recently. see her back in Beetlejuice 2. Beetlejuice yeah. 2 would be phenomenal. Oh, I will be so yeah, into wait. I love Beetlejuice, yeah. one of my top yeah. movies. But I just think, I'm just wondering, like, and I never knew that she was uh, drawn in this comic. Is she, if this movie happened, she would have been a probably a bigger star. She'd probably be up at the level of like Nicole Kidman almost, yeah. or like maybe an Angelina Jolie it's who has action in her bag. It's a, it's a know, huge role that she she's a, not yeah, usual she's like for a, her. 
it's a much more adult role than she had had at that point. Um, you know, she's this independent, you know, uh, I think she's like a captain at this point. She would have been forest. young enough, yeah. though, to have been able to yeah. pull this off. No, I think it really would have worked. It's a shame. And and there's also what I like about this is that the Batmobile is the same. And you actually get a um, – so at the end of the movie, you know, as he – because he kind of reluctantly works with the Robin at first. Robin is kind of already his own vigilante. He's kind of – his oh, suit okay. is based off of Robin Hood. He's kind of like the Harlem Batman – so and, and Batman he, yeah. didn't make him. He had he's, his own Well, he's thing. definitely inspired by Batman. Well, he but, deduces yeah. that Bruce yeah. Wayne is Batman. That's this a is a better, too, yeah. more natural yeah. origin story that yeah. there had to be people that were inspired. Yeah. Like yeah. the one little yeah. side in yeah. Dark Knight when the, you know, those other guys are dressing up as Batman. Yeah. This <laughs> makes more sense that a young yeah. kid is inspired by Batman in Gotham and he wants to make a difference. God damn it. And, and, you also these, like, and you also have these like fascist types who are kind of like... Blue Lives Matter inspired guys yeah. who are like going up to Harlem and they are like inspired by Batman and he like is like beating them up all the time. Like there are these like guys and like some those are of called them, people from Alabama now. Yeah. <laughs> no, they, are, like, they are definitely like Gotham like, They're kind of like part Gotham of the villain Bama. of this. That would be awesome. A Deep South Batman with yeah, a draw. Yeah, Deep South Batman, right? And just taking down the Hicks. I, I don't know. I mean, I remember Batman Incorporated. And Killer Croc. Killer a... Croc would be perfect. Yes, Killer and, Croc. And, and Gotham Bama. I'm honestly, sorry. Ed. Honestly, I never, read, I never read Batman Incorporated. The only thing I know about Batman Incorporated was that it was a, a downloadable skin in uh, Arkham Knight. Yeah, well, Batman Incorporated was when like he had Batmans all over the world. Yeah, I big, don't think he had a Confederate Batman. He had a big codpiece in that costume too. It was ridiculous. A Confederate Batman? No, can Batman means Wild Wild West. Yeah, right. Can you a Confederate Batman? Well, can you imagine? Keep that in mind. There is a Batman Wild Wild West connection coming up. Oh boy! What? Let's get let's get okay. into the now another timeline. Uh. Batman, Batman Returns, and the 2002 2003 TV series Birds of Prey. So it was produced by the same team that made Smallville, which had started the year before. And the series contains references to metahumans gaining power from season, right? rocks. It's only one season. Yeah. Now, it follows a team of female superheroes led by the daughter of Batman and Catwoman, um, who plays Helena Kyle. She's also Huntress. You have Dina Meyer. She's Barbara Gordon's Batgirl. That's why this cannot be connected to Batman and Robin. And then we also have, in the first episode, they introduced Dinah Lance, Black Canary. Right. Now, the reason why I'm saying this is connected to Batman and Batman Returns is that the trailer for this show used footage from Batman Returns. You see uh, the Tim Burton skyline. You see the scenes between Batman and Catwoman from that movie. Now, flash forward to the pilot. The pilot uses new footage of Batman and Catwoman. Batman is wearing the Tim Burton suit. Hell yellow, yeah. the yellow thing. Catwoman is wearing the Catwoman suit. Yep. You see the Batmobile. But the storyline is, is that Batman and the Joker have a um, final battle. And then, even though he's lost on his, on his way out of town, the Joker kills Catwoman. In front of her daughter, and he shoots, paralyzes Batgirl, so that Batgirl in Birds that, of Prey that does follow is the Oracle. Yeah. yeah, she's that the Oracle she is, and all she that. She is yeah. paralyzed. The voice. Her... Now you only see a silhouette and a little bit of a face of Joker, 
But the voice of Joker is Mark Hamill. Mark Hamill. Yeah. So you have Mark Hamill's Joker. But but what's but. really great is all the design, and they also do a good job in the TV show. Is they have a smaller budget, but they have the design looks like the Burton movies. Like right. they're in a watchtower with a clock tower. So we just yeah. So big here's statues. The, so but here's the issue though, right? When it comes to talking about canon, so there's that connection you mentioned, yes. right? But if we think of Crisis on Infinite Earths yes. as also being overall canon, yes. right, because of the connections we mentioned previously, which makes sense, Birds of Prey cannot be canon to the Tim Burton universe because on Crisis on Infinite Earths, you have Knox yes. very distinctively in that Earth, and Dian- the, uh, the, uh, the Huntress character yeah. is in a separate scene very distinctly a on different a Earth. different yes. Earth. So they can't be one and the same. Or maybe there's different parallel, just more of these tracks. No, they can't be okay. the same. All right, so, sure, just, there very, you go. Come on, this is cannon fodder. Okay. We're making definitive fucking arguments there here. Not string theory fodder. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So our, our next timeline is the reason why we're recording this episode now. And that is that you have Batman... Batman Returns, and then you have the 2023 piece of shit, The Flash, followed by what would have been the 2023 Batgirl. Now, Such a fucking travesty. Matt and I talked at length about how terrible The Flash is. It's so bad, bro. Um, the best part I of The Flash... I saved myself. <laughs> yeah, you saved yourself the 13 bucks. I saved myself, yeah, yeah. 10, 12 bucks. <laughs> the best part of The Flash... We should watch it together. I would yeah. really love to. I get love to, brother. The best part of The Flash is a Tim Burton Batman. Easily. And they do a great job of really hearkening back to the original movies. What you see is you see the original, um, you see the original Wayne Manor. Yep. There's a great scene in the same armor room that we were talking about. That's one of yeah. my favorite little callbacks. Like, yep. Because like, I remember, I remember watching it, and I was immediately annoyed at the fact that they were portraying. Batman as you know he, he kind of like lost his mind a little bit right he had the long scraggly yeah. hair right Michael Keaton and he's like he's jumping around the fucking kitchen right and it's, it's this whole it's such a thing. trope it's such a weird yeah. it's a weird thing but they get they get past that pretty quickly yeah and when they start going through the mirror yeah like immediately when you see that scene in the trophy room in the armor room everyone to call it I was like yes I was like I'm waiting I'm like, just, just cut your hair Michael Keaton just get into the suit you want to get nuts Let's get nuts. You have the same Batmobile. Yep. You have a different Batplane, but it's a similar design to the Batplane you have in the other movies, but it was destroyed in the first movie. I was going to say, it makes makes perfect sense that... What? What? Can you give me a fucking beer? So, oh my bad, brother! Thought, you, you gave me the you gave me the look the you gave me the drinking look. Oh I my you god! Were gonna get me a beer. I was just I was just panicking because I had to like. Move. Okay, don't worry. We have an extra twin lights. You son of a liquid bitch. Dream. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> India Pale. I was just trying for continuity. Drive me silent. I was just signaling to you. This beer's warm now. I'm going to get one from the fridge. Keep talking. You keep talking. I'll get it. But yeah. And as we're talking about, you know, and another connection that I love is that. No, but yeah, when, sorry, we were saying about, about the Batwing. Yeah, I was gonna yeah. say like it, it. It makes sense. It's a similar design, but different because they, like you said, Jack yeah. Nicholson shot with it with his fucking comic with his <laughs> crazy <laughs> gun, fucking so good. best gun. <laughs> and then when um the stupid Flash is like j- 
just waiting around with which, nothing to do. Which one's the he stupid? Finds, which one's the stupid? There's Flash. one who's stupider than the other. <laughs> <Which> one? <laughs> the one who was never Flash before. He <laughs> finds a little bag with a ha ha ha. That's ha, the ha, that ha. was my favorite. And that's the bit. same type of ha 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 right. that you see, and that that kind of that you hear at the end when Joker may or may not have died. And that was one of the yeah. more clever things mm-hmm. they did in that movie because you don't actually see. Yeah. Um, in, in the Flash movie, I mean, thank you, brother. You don't actually see what's in the bag, but you hear it's the exact right. same, you know, uh-huh. because, you know, I, I watched the, uh, obviously in preparation for seeing the Flash when we did um, a few weeks ago, I watched uh, both, you know, uh, Batman and, and Returns mm-hmm. in preparation for that, which, I mean, yeah, I mean, listen, I have to watch those movies at least once a year anyway, so like, because it's just, you know, it's part of required living in the estate, but, you know. But yes, satisfying. <laughs> and the reason we mentioned Batgirl is that even though the Flash that was released in theaters ends with George Clooney, so good, it's the coming best back. Of, it's the best so that's that's where it's kind of wacky. So is this world that we hopefully never see again, the Ezra Miller Justice League world, well, is see, that now so a I world think, where Batman and Robin happened? Well, so I think that, you know, yes, again. If Bruce Wayne is now played by George Clooney, oh, <laughs> Batman uh, and Robin has to be canon. So 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 I think though so that lens so so let's let's talk about this a little bit right because so we were saying before that there is a in terms of Batman Forever yes there is a we mentioned that there's the distinctive line uh, that Nicole Kidman says right to Val Kilmer about the the whip right yes. to to make reference to Catwoman which makes it very plausible that um, Batman. Batman Returns and Batman Forever are the same universe. Yes. And Gotham City is not all that different. Right. Batman and Robin, however, again, is is a complete departure from the previous three movies. But it's the same Alfred. But it's the same Alfred. But same Robin. But. Same Gordon. But. You see the costumes from Batman Forever. But, but follow me on this, though, right? So, they're, they are, um, what do you call it? In Batman and Robin, there is no... There's a connection to Batman Forever, but like none, we said, but none to the other two. Correct. So is it possible that Batman and Robin is more of like an adjacent world because then by that's George I was Clooney yeah. coming back, right? right. And then that's what we see at the end of The Flash. Right, because they make that yeah. distinction of having there be because then the existence of George Clooney at the end of The Flash automatically implies that there was already a different universe yes. in that Tim Burton world because Correct. of Michael Keaton, right? Like I love that you're touching on this because I have a hot take. Go. That go for it. Batman Beyond it will come to live action oh, in our li- in our lifetimes. I like it. And yeah. George Clooney has it in his bag to be old grumpy he Batman. Because so and I'm thinking my, uh, George Clooney in the Oceans movies is being the leader, but mm-hmm. also up in this up in the air, being a mentor, but also being super hard on the Anna Kendrick character. I can see him really if we if James Gunn is really getting as wacky as he is, and if he has the juice. And for I'm t- talking in the next 10, 20 years, we right. get we get the next Batman iteration, which will be Batman Beyond, obviously separate from the Batman. George Clooney will still be of the age. Yes. To be as charismatic as right Bruce Wayne, he actually is. Yeah. Do you know that he, he looks was? So good. You know, in the Oceans movies, he was in his late thirties. Yeah, he, he was with gray hair. It blew my mind. So yeah. he will be of the right age and have the right demeanor and look and 
have that fatherly figure role yeah. that he can be the guy. He's only 62. And like he looks even younger. Yeah. And like in that final scene, he looks really young. Now, 10 more gr- years before he I, As great as that was, and I would love to see that. And I also feel like, as much as I believe in James Gunn, I do not believe in Warner Brothers. So I feel like <laughs> I feel like James Gunn's going to make some off, awesome movies and they're going to ruin it, Warner Brothers, especially if they get sold off. It's going to be a whole thing. Yeah, they're going to find some way. And they're going to have to reboot again. Like, mm-hmm. and, 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 and like this time it's going to piss off people even more because James Gunn would have made a, like the definitive Superman movie. I have no doubt he will. Like, I just, I just don't think we'd he's love gonna, to hear your thoughts off camera. Yeah, like, he's oh, just, oh, he's, he's, oh, I just think he's not going to be given the time he needs to really do anything because Warner Brothers is terrible and it's just going to be a mess. Now, the original ending of the Flash, the one that they shot uh, before James Gunn, it's good that we mentioned James Gunn was hired to take over the new DC universe had Michael Keaton Batman at the end. So the yeah. idea is, it was a very Flashpoint, right? Like this whole storyline is based off Flashpoint. If you read Flashpoint, the comic, it starts, you're in the post-crisis on Infinite Earths um, world of the comics. Barry does his shenanigans and then he messes up and you have a Flashpoint paradox and then he defeats um, Thrawn and he works with um, with Thomas um, with Thomas Wayne and he recreates kind of what his his he kind of returns to right. his world close enough, but it's a little bit of tweaks. And one of the tweaks that this new DCEU would have had, they would have been able to keep Wonder Woman. They would have now had a Supergirl instead of Superman. They would have been able to keep the parts that work, got rid of the superheroes and act in characters that didn't work. So the whole idea is that Michael Keaton would have been Batman again. Yep. And his first role um, after this would have been Batgirl. Aside, he also shot a scene for Aquaman. Like Michael Keaton was supposed to be Batman. I going did know that. Yeah. Several scenes. They now, actually scrapped that because yeah. they've actually had to reshoot. I think they're on yeah. reshoot yeah, number four. Batmans, That's yeah. why I don't trust them to do this. Now, <laughs> any of the if you've seen any of the photos I've seen from the set of Batgirl, any of the video, dude, it, it looks incredible. It looks just incredible. like Gotham's supposed to look in those yeah. movies. Really pisses me off. This would have been great. Now, here's what's interesting too. Talking about this whole messed up world. Do you know who plays Commissioner Gordon in the new DCEU of Batgirl that we never got to see? Why do I want to say no? J.K. Simmons. No. So we have, have, so so we right. have a well, he hybrid was, he world. Was in, uh, right. He was Justice Ben Affleck's League. Gordon. Right. Now, in the Batgirl, he is Gordon, which is great because which, he has a bigger role in Batgirl that we'll never get to see it because, obviously, it's his daughter being Batgirl. So it would have been great. He's obviously a great actor to be like the kind of mentor and all great this Great on-screen dad. Yeah. So it's really a shame. And of course, you see from, um, from some of the set photos, you see the original Batmobile. Like, it's mm-hmm. just such a... And the two, uh, the two directors of Batgirl also directed most of Ms. Marvel. And Ms. Marvel is kind of the same thing. It's yeah. about a it's about a young woman of color stepping to the shoes of a of a bigger I have, I have superhero. So many... Like like if they nailed that, they obviously would have nailed this. Batgirl have... is a finished product. It's some it's it's on a shelf. They, we're no, we're no, gonna no. see it one day. We're gonna see it. So one day. we will see a version. I'm sure somebody stole it, but technically, it wasn't. Warner finished, Brothers finished. had to destroy what they had. So that they could take the full tax credit, because the way, because the reason why the reason why Warner Brothers is so terrible right now is it's not being run like a regular company. It's Bob it, Chapek, it, it's, right? It's, it's, like, it's like it's being it's, it's like it's being like corporate raided. Like they are trying to keep. This is why they're they are the ones who have pissed off the writers and and actors the most. Yeah, that was like the old Disney guy. Yeah, like the writers and actors are like pissed at studios for many reasons. But Warner Brothers has been breaking all the rules, 
and like all this weird shit they're doing this is one of them where they nobody's ever done this before like a 90 million dollar movie that's being scrapped for tax purposes because they get almost all that back in taxes because they're just trying to keep their expenses so low right now they don't want to grow the company because the people who own it right now just want to sell it off so they just want to keep expenses low so that they can get, they they can sell it. It's almost like they're like breaking down like a steel company from the eighties. Yeah, it's, and it's, so, it's that, a so it makes travesty. no sense. It's 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 a terrible idea. But that would I have, have been so a many t- conspiracy theories about that about the Flash movie and the Batgirl movie. That would have been a timeline. I would have. You know what? I think the problem too was part of the reason why they didn't release the movie. I think it was too good. Well, I yeah. do not believe their arguments that it was so bad. I mean, listen, I think I have this had... would have caused a problem for them because if they were to release this movie. People would have see, yeah. wanted to see more, and they wouldn't have known what to do with James Gunn and everything else. Yeah, here's here's what one for for me. You can sum up, you can sum up the entire thing in kind of like one very simple argument, right? Because everyone's like, oh, they had to do it for tax purposes because it was so it was the movie was so bad it was unwatchable. Yeah. All right, tax purposes. All right. I'm like, listen, you, I don't care who you are, from a studio perspective, a. Uh, agent whatever you are right you do not bring back michael fucking keaton (laughs) who who at this point in his career is and has been for several years at least a decade if not more an unquestionable a-list actor yes who also happens to be the motherfucking batman like our generations multiple generations like the og batman more so, more than Adam West, more so than Christopher Nolan. Like when people think of Batman, more often than not, they think of Michael Keaton. Yeah. You do not bring Michael Keaton, who is over seventy fucking years old, back as Batman if you do not have a long term plan. So I've had arguments with my friends in the Rod Tomatoes Fantasy League about this. Mm-hmm. Like there, this whole tax write off thing, the movie's unwatchable. That's bullshit. There is so much else yeah. going on behind this. That we don't know, probably related to like what you were saying about them wanting to sell the company off and all this other shit, right? Like, like you, you just don't make that kind of a move. That's like Marvel saying, like, oh, we're bringing back Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man, you know, and then two years later being like, ah, actually, the movie wasn't that good, so we scrapped it. Like, you just don't unbelievable. Do that. Like, you, yeah. it, it's not believable, right? If they were saying, you know, oh, oh, we're bringing back, you know, we're bringing back Val Kilmer, like if he could, if he could do the role, right? You know, God, I love Val Kilmer. Like, but if they were saying, oh, we're bringing back Val Kilmer as Batman for a long-term thing, oh, we're gonna scrap it because it sucks. That's more believable. Val Kilmer was only Batman once in like you know, and not so wonderful of a movie. This is Michael fucking Keaton. There's so much more going on that we may not ever know. And this is like I've always said before. I want to see somebody, Kevin Smith, if you're listening, because you're probably the perfect person to make this. We need to see a documentary, the death of the DC universe. Like, <laughs> like, yeah. I need to know from the get, from the very beginning of the DC universe with Man of Steel. It has been a complete clusterfuck. And it's going to get worse because... (laughs) So, Blue Beetle is about to make no money. I think it's on track to make $30 total. And... Yeah. And... Aquaman's going to be a huge disappointment. When it had it, three... it may not be released. They're, they they can't figure it out. Aquaman has gone through like 70,000 fucking reshoots. They're on, I think they're on official reshoot four. Yeah. And James Wan is behind it. And I think that guy is so creatively powerful, but he's so intertwined with Warner Brothers. He's ham hog. Why did Cannon Fodder call me? I don't know. I thought I, I picked up my phone and I was calling you. I was like, I don't know what happened. <laughs> now, 
as we're getting to the end here, I want to do a rapid fire. Let's go. I'm gonna I'm gonna mention something. You're gonna tell me if you think it's canon at all to the Tim Burton world, and then I'm gonna uh, tell you why you're wrong. I'm ready. The Catwoman movie from 2004, starring Holly Berry. Bro, you think I remember this fucking movie? I never even watched yeah, it. I'm gonna, I'm Holly gonna, Berry, Catwoman. I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna it say can be. I'm gonna say no. Just it's I, I canon I like, because you see a photo. Of Michelle Pfeiffer's Catwoman in the movie. <laughs> that doesn't necessarily when she make is it canon. when she when she is researching cat real Catwomans throughout the world. Oh, okay. Throughout she's history, researching. Okay, that's one of them that she sees. Because that fucking haircut. Yeah, Holly Berry does not play Selena Kyle. She plays this. Wait, like, you're mentioning movie. Catwoman like I remember this fucking movie. Like, oh, yeah, it's so bad. Her Benjamin Bratt. Yeah, it's I saw one it of those once. really bad I, movies. Yeah, my eyes hurt afterwards. Okay, what else you got? Superman Lives, the unproduced 1998 movie that uh, Kevin Smith wrote the initial script for. Tim Burton would 100% canon. What, 100% canon. So you see Nick Cage's Superman from this movie in The Flash. It's, good. it's a good yes. scene. Yeah, it's but a good scene. even though Superman Lives was being made um, around the time of Batman Forever, yep. Michael Keaton was going to return as Batman. So right. he would have been wow. Batman. In that movie. So yes. that would have tied the whole thing in because it was based off the death of Superman Sora. So that would have been great. All right. Now I'm going to mention the OnStar commercials fun. from 2000 to 2002. <laughs> yes. Are they canon? Because Michael goes in, but none of them, none of the mm-hmm. Batmans, they're, they're different Batmans in every commercial, I believe. Right. I'm going to say no. Now, he's wearing the suit. Wearing the he's, suit, he's 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 driving the Batmobile. He has the Alfred Michael go. Dude, it could have been fucked. No, the Joker is different. The Joker is different. The Joker commercial. is different. Yeah. Vicky Vale is different. And it's not Michael Keaton. It's not Michael Keaton. But you know, it could be. So. It could be. Any, it could be any fucking Joker. Listen, man. At the, at the end of anyone could be Batman. <laughs> yeah, anyone dude, could be Spider Man. Right? Aren't the, you learning anybody about the can mask? wear the mask? Exactly, yeah. <laughs> bro. At the end of dark. At the what end kind of, of superhero fan are you? Yeah. <laughs> at the end of Dark Knight Rises, Joseph Gordon Levitt was like getting up, you know, on the fucking yeah. thing, and, and he was on the rising platform. I get hey, it. Oh, Why couldn't he be Nightwing? Hey, oh, it would have right, been like, so much yeah. better. Oh, dude, that was such a fucking. Oh, I hate that his middle name was Robin. Now, I that was so bad. His middle name was. Call me Robin. Oh, God, I'm going to vomit. And as we finish every episode, we always talk about where we think this universe can go next. And I feel like we've already mentioned that across the board. We want some version of Batman Beyond. Yeah. I think, unfortunately, the perfect version of Batman Beyond has sailed. I think it's unlikely having shot um, three different movies as Batman for these jabronis and two of them being canceled. Michael Keaton's unlikely to return as Batman. Yeah. Like, like, like he has to have a bad it's taste Clooney, in his man. mouth. It's going to be the Clooney. I right. would love Clooney. Unfortunately, Val Kilmer, as we all know, is not physically capable of doing that. Yep. Uh, hasn't been for quite some time. But, yeah. I mean, I'd watch Clooney as old Bruce Wayne. And, and, and how great would that be? Would that be to like really save that? And you know what I would love is if that movie was so great, but there are small touches that like, like – Touch back to Batman. Hear and me out. Hear me out. Go for it. This is what we do the, here. We want Batman Beyond. Get get some of the creatives from Bioshock. They love Art Deco. Ooh. They love the the they know understand that the characters in Bioshock were splicing DNA. Yeah. Same as in Batman Beyond. Yeah. Right. A lot of the henchmen were splicing their DNA to become different animals, along by being humanoid as well. Make it terrifying. Make it a terrifying universe. Bring it back to the dark Tim Burton. Yeah. And I don't think Tim Burton would be capable of doing such a 
dark film like this. But we're getting new directors. And honestly, I don't. I think the juice would still be there for Batman Beyond as people of our age yeah. are still relatively young but still adore that. Give us another 10, 20 years. There's going to be an insane pitch for it. CGI getting better. I mean, they used to, they were doing the Art Deco effects like, or in like set pieces in 89. And with that vault it's going to use on Star Wars now, like that crazy screen. Because yeah. just think of if they really took it to the next degree, like just take that style of Gotham and just put it forward 30 years. Yep. Even bigger buildings. Yes. Like more weird Push it into things. the sea. <laughs> Bioshock, baby. <laughs> no, it's, I think it'd be great, and, and it would be great to see like Clooney really redeem himself because we are in an era of geeky like redemptions. You know, we had we had Andrew Garfield come back, yeah, like yes. you know, like come back and save his Spider Man. We of course had Ahmad Vest come back as a badass Jedi, saving you know his Jar Jar Binks character. <laughs> you know, like so we are in the era of like taking these like like characters who were really shit on by comic book uh, fans and that now they're getting big. So Clooney was very it. well this loved. The, uh, you yeah. know what? Even bring back, you know, like, cause you know, it was great. The best. So the, the best storyline in Batman beyond involved a former Robin being brainwashed. Yes. That was great. How great would it be to have to bring back Chris O'Donnell? Chris what? O'Donnell. Would and of course, yeah, yeah, least, what the fuck that. is he doing now? Yeah. Well, he just finished NCIS. Oh, that's he, right. He's, he was oh, he's making that L- TV with money. With LL Cool J. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was, yeah, but he was on there for like a decade, oh, probably making, making bank. Money. He was making yeah, bank. I forgot about but that. Alicia Silverstone. Barbara Gordon, as we yeah. all know, is old. The, now, it doesn't make as much sense for her version of Barbara. Right, because she's not Barbara Because it's Gordon. not Barbara Gordon. But, yeah. Barbara uh, Alford. But she could, be, <laughs> she could be the commissioner because, you know, a former back girl could become commissioner. Give me Olivia Coleman. Olivia Coleman, yeah, would be kind of world class. Yep. She could do an American accent, and she'd be fantastic. So there we go. So I feel like we've already written it. So after James Gunn succeeds, but is thrown away by the terrible execs at Warner Brothers, right? That's what we'll do. There we go. Well, thank you everybody for listening. Um, follow us on social media. Uh, let us know where you agree with us, what you think we got wrong. Um, so thank you. Uh, my name is Ed. I'm Matt. And I'm Pat. And this is, is Cannon and Fodder. The entire Review Podcast Network family would like to apologize to Prince for doing a whole podcast about the Michael Keaton, Tim Burton, Batman movies and not mentioning him once. That's fair. It's insulting, actually, to Prince, but I mean, we are, we're making up for it now. It's the definitive like soundtrack of the era, and it's so great, and he like defines that movie. It's we completely forgot about it. It's the soundtrack to anything, man. It really is. It, I mean, R.I.P. Prince, and I miss the days when movies would have one artist like that score the entire movie. Like, Kendrick Lamar did it for Black Panther, and it was great, but like you just don't get that anymore and uh it's even a reason why the film should have failed you know (laughs) yes absolutely it was the biggest risk that paid off and has worked dividends kudos to those guys wherever you may be we're sorry